damn, we're out of milk. Darling, I'm just popping down the road to get some milk. Are you sure, dear? Isn't there a Grand Prix on? Um, no, don't think so. We'd have heard it if there was. Looks in the local paper. Singapore Grand Prix, Singapore Grand Prix. No, no mention of it at all. Uh, I'm going out. Okay, see you in a bit. Oh, God, you bloody maniacs! Hello, I'm Gareth. He's Richard. Hello. He's Zog. Hello. And this is On Speed, fresh on the back of the Singapore Grand Prix, which was a proper entertaining race. Did you see it live, Zog? Did you watch it on some sort of electronic delivery system direct to your brain? Yep, saw it live, and it wasn't the most thrilling race in some ways, but it does make the championship a lot more interesting. Hamilton's still going to win it, but it makes Mm. it a little bit less certain, and I love seeing the cars racing around Singapore. It's one of the most beautiful races under those lights. Richard, were you happy that Fingers Linguaphone Linguini won? Um, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. No, it was nice to see a bit of a change up the front, I suppose. And I like the fact that you've got Raikkonen up there. Right. Yeah. Not really knowing or caring where he was, <laughs> but seemingly. But yeah. No, fair enough. Ferrari seemed to be doing the right things. And Ricardo up there as well, because we like Ricardo, don't we? Just yeah, the yeah. only smile that can be seen from space in the yes. paddock, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, some of those incredibly high-powered lights in Singapore reflected off his teeth and 13 people were blinded. Richard, what's your daft explanation for what I'm saying you couldn't put a good race together before we hear the sensible one from, from Oh, the I well, I haven't really got a daft explanation. <laughs> I can give you the sensible one, which I think they're saying it's sort of track-specific, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just the requirements of that track didn't quite fit their car, which seems odd because... Something about apex speed. Yeah. I think actually the tyres, I think, were critical here. It seems like the ability to get the most out of the tyres was the thing. And this was a circuit where, as you say, yeah, because of the characteristics of this particular track, it just didn't suit Mercedes. It was a noticeable change in their range of abilities as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it fifth, wasn't, fifth and sixth is a real step yeah. back. And it wasn't just, oh, all of a sudden the second row, it's back, you know. Yeah. They went from being the greatest car to the third row car, which is a hell of a fallback. It really stuffed them. You have to show respect to the Red Bull team, who managed to get their car to work on that track with the same tyres that Mercedes use. I know they're putting their power down in a very different way. Red Bull actually set up their car rather like a dragster. Did you see the rake of the car was extremely pronounced. I think that car's quite rakey all season, mm-hmm. though. It seems <laughs> as rakey is also, it's also someone I know. Rakey? <laughs> yeah, a little boy goes to nursery with mine. Um, <laughs> hello, rakey. I don't think he listens. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there was. It's, it's been quite dragstery all season, I think, noticeably so, more than the other cars, that Red Bull. And you see it in the rear three-quarter going away shot. It does yeah. look very sort of nose down and it's bum in the air. But, mm. yeah. Do you know what I was more interested about in Singapore was this thing that David Crofty Croft kept going on in the commentary about which is the electrical interference from the metro line underneath yeah, the, yeah. the streets they're racing on. They've mentioned this before and whether this scuppers any hope of a London Grand Prix because there's a lot of uh, well, and Could that be anything to do with Hamilton's problem? Because it seemed like you know, his, I think his, they his ruled out electrical as such didn't they? I think it was more sort of electromechanical didn't they say? It was actually sort of 
Yeah, it was to do with the pedal and the... It was actually yeah, something, yeah, physical, something physical stuck under there. A bit of that. dirt on the tracks, maybe. I don't know, yes. Uh, well, yeah, well, you've got dirt on your tracks on the... Uh, I, I, I think Lewis got his iPod full of R&B hip-hop stuff trapped underneath the pedal. That's what stopped him, apparently. Is yeah. it because they put a selfie cam in the steering wheel? Yeah, that stopped him as well. taking over 20 pictures a minute and it depleted the batteries. <laughs> what was noticeable about this race was not just the fact that Mercedes weren't at the front and Lewis didn't win it but also that Jensen Button was arguably the most liberated man on the radio it was radio free Button wasn't it I, now I've been meaning to look this up because they do the transcripts afterwards don't they sort of full radio transcripts and I've been meaning to look this up to see what other one liners we missed yeah from Jensen tell your friends I'm here all week Button <laughs> and, and his comical stylings it was brilliant it but w- he just sounds like a man who quite frankly doesn't give a flying stuff anymore yeah, well you'd have to be more patient than Job what was Job very patient for? I don't know, but he was very oh, patient. My, my Bible knowledge isn't so, so hot. And but but uh, to be honest, and fair play Alonso have both gritted their teeth and ploughed out the party line for this entire season now. You could probably manage that for half a season. And then you'd hope that you might get some glimmer of hope three quarters of the way through, but just not happening yeah, I mean, you have to say, somebody's I mean, got to give isn't it, it? It, there can't ever have been a time in the F1 history of when there have been two world champions in such a terrible car mm. you know the mismatch between the quality of the drivers and the quality of the machinery they've been given yeah is just something so else. well the rumour this week seems to be that Button is going to retire from F1 at the end of this season even that he will announce it in Japan yeah because in Japanese he wants his in-laws to hear it I don't yeah, know he, no he's going to so, announce but... it through the power of uh, Kabuki Theatre oh okay. the whole thing's going to be done in the style of Kabuki uh, Theatre that would make be... sense yeah. yeah yeah very traditional way of doing it but nice um, I, well <laughs> in true because of course it was in the newspapers not so long ago his name being linked to the the new Top Gear with Chris Evans. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the obvious choice. Surely it would be a bit of an outside bet. But on the other hand, a media career is one of the things that a lot of the drivers will get into when they retire. And he'd really kind of warmed up in front of the cameras mm. in recent years. So oh, he's always been great. So. If he can apply some of those comic chops that he's showing on the uh, <laughs> Carter Pit radio, he'll be fine. I think that if they would employ him, the new Top Gear wouldn't just use him as a straight presenter. Oh, no, he'd be a- And I can't possibly say any more than that because it might have been something that I was told in confidence. Oh, Which really? I don't know if it's true because this was only a theoretical thing. I wouldn't but, want to say in case I get into trouble. But it is interesting that the American Top Gear has a presenter lineup that's stronger on driving skills yeah. than the UK lineup. It really knackers them, though, for trying to do challenges where the three presenters compete against each other because yeah. they've got an extremely talented racing driver in their midst, and so they can't follow that sort of format point that the outgoing format of Top Gear used. But yeah, I don't think the new Top Gear is going to be like that anyway. I suspect that Chris Evans will be the sort of ringmaster and there will be a larger body of presenters who go out and do things. Well, be, um, it's not just going to be three blokes. It, it would be a mistake to copy the old format too closely. You know, mm. if you're going to have a new Top Gear, you've got to shake it up a fair bit, I think. And so just repeating too many of the same items, same strands wouldn't really work. You'd have to call it Top Button, wouldn't you? Hmm. I also, by the way, did you know, and I wasn't told this, so I can say this freely because I read it in the newspaper, but they were supposedly talking to Mark Webber as well. Oh, really? Mm. I reckon Button's going to have a year off because you would wouldn't you you'd go and do all the triathlons and the world championships that you could in running and swimming and then might want to do a bit of WEC might want to do a bit of 
testing for McLaren. You know, I just think he needs his gap year, doesn't he? He's <laughs> well, he's probably never got had a straggly one. beard. <laughs> he could just put on a rucksack and go off to Thailand. He could go I can certainly see him doing some endurance racing. I think that would suit him very well. What if he could combine the endurance racing in a car with some kind of triathlon, which I know he likes a lot? So he sort of Ooh, does a few wow. laps of Le Mans, and he pops out, wetsuit on, has a quick swim back in the car for the night stint I, I think that's what they're doing in Formula E next year what well, they're going to get wet <laughs> and yeah, then get into an electric like, car yeah this well, doesn't sound like a well, they, they have to get out of a car at some point they might as well make them cycle swim and they, run they, their the second car is across a body of water no no no, no, no. Okay, you, get <laughs> out, you get out of the car you yeah. get on an exercise bike connected to a generator oh, and you charge your car for the second part this is gold is somebody writing it down I think well the Formula E people I was going to say that Formula E spy camera in the corner has just turned on and started blinking. Hello. Hello, Jelson. It's your friend, Fernando. Hello. Hello, buddy. How's the accent? He seems to be getting more outrageous. But that's not why I'm calling, Jensen, my friend. I want to ask you, is it true? Are you leaving McLaren at the end of this season? Well, you see, if you go, take me with you, please, God, I'm begging, don't leave me here, oh God, he's coming, I've got to go. Do I detect the parameters for a quantity of disloyalty occurring? No, Ron, everything is fine, it's a learning season, making progress, it's a marathon, not a sprint, everything is good, please don't make me lick the floor clean again, Ron, please don't, don't. <laughs> Step Petrol, we got Jones on speed! Something made the national news this week, which we should know about on this programme. It relates to Volkswagen Audi, who in the States are about to get hit, it seems, with a fine of how much? $18 billion? That's the highest potential fine on the basis of the number of diesel cars they've sold and the maximum fine per vehicle. So the story, as I understand it, is for the last, I don't know, three years, VW have been making some of their cars that run diesel in the States, undercut the emission regulations, which are enforced by the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency in the States. And they have achieved this by knowing when the car is actually being tested it can reprogram the data to omit some data and make it appear as if the car is producing fewer NOx emissions. It detects when it's being tested and yeah. the engine goes into a mode where it basically cleans up its act. Yeah, clever. And but it runs... power would be much reduced. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, if that was a Formula One team doing that, you'd say, well done, lads, you've circumvented the rules. Well done, that's very clever. Mm. It doesn't work like that in the real world, though, does it? Well, no, well, you they, get an almighty billion-dollar wrist slap. And the right. EPA's done this before. The truck manufacturers they did a few years ago and they walloped them with huge penalties for and they were doing what the same yeah same sort of thing case. and they're specifically yeah. in the I think it's the Clean Air Act in the US mm. specifically has a clause written into it which says that any device or specialist map defeat device yeah. that's exactly it to get round or to throw up unduly low emissions results only in the laboratory conditions in mm. which the cars and lorries are tested is illegal and therefore they can whack them 
if it's mm. found out they're doing this. But I don't think they're alone in this. That's they, what I was about to say. I swear, there are lots of modern cars that you drive, and if you find yourself in a very sort of specific circumstances, you're in a certain gear at a certain speed, so then it's, the engine's doing a certain amount of revs and maybe on a constant throttle, and then you go to accelerate, the car suddenly feels very flat and lifeless, and you sort of have to bust through it. And you always think, oh, this must be... I've accidentally encountered a point at which the car is... It's in kind of careful mode. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, it's not know, even that. I just think that sometimes... They, cause I mean, because engine management is so precise and complicated. Now, reading about the very top end, like that new Ferrari turbocharged V8 that's in the California T and now into the 488, has engine mapping for every gear, and it's different. So the mm. power and torque delivery characteristics of the engine are bespoke to each gear. That's how precise things are getting. So if you've got some diesel hatchback, it's not necessarily that they're putting in cheat codes or whatever, these sort of environmental Easter eggs that will make it know when it's in a lab and deliberately run reduced power but increased economy and therefore reduced emissions. It's that you will sometimes encounter the point in the engine map where it'll be tested, and that is just a sort of flat spot because in the lab that'll make it sort of nice and frugal and you'll just accidentally chance upon it. It's not like it's sort of hidden. I think the VW Audi thing was the fact that the car detects it and it almost sort yeah. of goes into a whole different engine management yeah. regime, whereas I think a lot of cars, they've just been optimised at the very specific well, well, points the where they'll be tested. If the manufacturers are told the conditions under which cars are going to be tested and they're just tweaking their engine maps so that under those circumstances they hmm. pass the test, but when they're flat out on a motorway, they're producing higher emissions. That's not quite the same as what I understand yeah. VW has done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's is, also, you know, it works the other way. Because the old Fiesta ST, and I think the new one as well, is not uncommon in that it limits torque in first and second gear because it's trying to minimise wheel spin and also protect mm. the gearbox. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of sensible strategy. Well, fair, yeah. and it, how it, tweakable it, engine management is. And it's easy to forget how complicated an internal combustion engine is and how hard it is to make that very complicated thing both efficient and powerful and keep all your emissions down. And this is what we demand of engines Hmm. these days. I'm reminded of something that a chap I worked with, a TV producer, did once. He applied for a sort of a grant to go and work over in Los Angeles to make some films over there. And his grant was turned down and he was really frustrated. So he created a pretend identity and called the organisation. Oh, hi, I'm a journalist writing an article about this process of how you select. Can you tell me what are your criteria? What are the sort of things that you would turn the thing down for? And they listed all the details. And then he submitted another bid, tailored exactly to what was required. This is kind of what VW have been doing. They've said to their software, right, when the computer asks you, are you giving off unpleasantries? Don't give off any unpleasantries. It's very clever. You've got well, it's more like, it. It would be like your mate lying, though. Like, yeah, yeah, going, can you play exactly. the piano? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, if he knew that they, that's what they require. I, yeah, it's fraud. Can you speak? It's not inge- it's I'm fraud. not lauding it's them for it. It's not, it's not being ingenious. They're I, not being clever. They're no. being criminal. Deceitful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. You know, they deserve, by the looks of it, on the basis of the information that is in the public domain, you know, there may be more to this than... We know, I'm sure there is, but on the basis of what we know, they deserve a pretty hefty fine. I don't know if other manufacturers are doing similar oh, tricks and maybe, you know, yeah. I mean, you've probably got more insight on that, Richard, but I don't know. I, I mean, no, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it looks like they've been pretty dodgy. And the other thing is, this isn't just a couple of engineers down the bottom of the chain doing something clever. No. This has to be sanctioned at a very high level mm. and it has to be a very deliberate policy. Yeah. 
I'd love to know what my little Fiat 500 Twin Air does under laboratory conditions and what engine maps suddenly come into play there because, as I've said a few times on the show before, it just does 39 miles to the gallon everywhere. But if you read the adverts, was it? it's like 70 or something. Mm-hmm. Rubbish. I mean, the best I've ever got out of that car is like 55 when I was driving like someone's grandma. It was ridiculous. still I mean, like it as a car, but let's be honest. But as a test, have you ever tried following exactly what the combined urban cycle according to which the mpg is supposed to be measured have you tried do we know what that is do well it's, it's almost impossible because it's all it's in a lab that's the thing obviously so it's on a rolling road yeah, yeah. And one of the things actually about that twin air engine particularly the early ones like mine is that i wouldn't say it has the best drivability of any engine in the world it needs you to be in the right gear at the right time mm-hmm. and because it's amusing mm. and it makes a funny noise you tend to just sort of leave it in a lower gear and clog it a bit which isn't good for economy but even when you don't if you change up too early if you super short shift which you can do in a lot of modern cars again because the engine management will compensate and hmm. wind back the timing and all sorts of things to make sure it doesn't go blah, 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 blah. but that engine does it gets all very flustered if you don't change down when you should it can't help hmm. the vw emissions potential fine is it a fine it's a fine mm. yeah, yeah. If, they, if they has implications for formula one because the backstory of formula one at the moment is that if red bull don't secure Ferrari engines for next year, they will sell out to Audi. And surely VW, if they've got to pay 200 zillion dollars fine, aren't going to want to spend whatever it costs to get into Formula One. Yeah, the coffers are going to be a bit depleted if they've got to. Yeah, and also because I think it's not just the fine itself. I think VW made something like $10 billion last year. So, you know, it's the fine potentially is beyond their annual profits. So it's not like they can just put their hand... I mean, they have got all lots of cash assets and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like they're going to get bust. stock market value. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it'll bring the company down, but they have got to think about the knock-on effect of their reputation in the US and around the world. Yeah. Particularly in the US, where, you know, the Beatle built up this incredible reputation. You know, Audi's advertising slogan in the US that they've been using at the moment is something like honesty through engineering. I should have checked this before, but it's something along those lines. I'm pretty sure the word honesty and the word engineering appear in the same sentence where and it's sort of been proved that actually mm. one of those things is missing from the other thing. So Cheating through engineering. Yeah, labor, it's mm. extraordinary. So I think this all this reputation for being a maker of cars of great integrity takes a dive. I mean, VW is sort of struggling in the US. It's the one market where they underperform given the fact that they are sort of constantly vying to be the world's biggest car maker, but they never quite nail it in the US and they're the sort of latest thing to do their own bespoke Passats and Jettas for that thought, market. Uh, Still not cutting it. It surprises me that they would go down this sort of devious software route given that in the VW Audi group, they obviously have great expertise in making diesel engines work well. With the Audi racing developments, they're very good at diesel engines. It's a shame that they've but you know what? got they're this also devious very good at. I'll be honest, in their road cars, what they're very, very good at is just using engines for years with the mm. same basic spec. Some of their petrol engines, mm. you know, I've lost them, in fact, even with their fancy direct injection heads on and all sorts of things, they're related to those engines that came in in the 70s when the sort of new water-cooled revolution started with the Passat and the Sirocco and then the Golf. And their engine families are actually sort of based on fundamental block, at least, and, and some of the heavy bits of the engine are really, really old. They're not ones to spend willy-nilly on whole new engine families. Quite the opposite. They're one of the most frugal and sort of make-do-and-men car makers when it comes to just constantly refining the same engine families. And this is why I think they've probably had to cheat because the alternative was to spend a lot more money getting it up to code and doing this urea injection, which everyone else seems to be doing, to yeah. clean up diesels and to mm. get rid of the, the NOx. Yeah, but thing. that's just taking the piss. Ah, you know, that's, ah, that's giving the piss, isn't it? Sorry. Roll up! 
Roll Up Ladies und Gentlemen, Boys und Girls, Roll Up for the Amazing Volkswagen TDI Traveling Magic Show. You, sir, where are you from? I'm from the Environmental Protection Agency of the United States of America. Ah, I see. Well, sir, do you see what I have here in my hand? Why, yes, I do. It's over 40 times the permitted levels of nitrogen oxides, causing impaired lung function, permanent lung damage, and other respiratory problems, especially in the young. That's right. But if you look again... I have magically made this problem disappear. No, you haven't. I can still see it. Oh, scheiße. That'll be $18 billion, please. A few years ago at the Frankfurt Auto Show, I think it was possibly four years ago now, Audi launched the e-tron brand with a car. Do you remember the very first car was called the e-tron? It was like an electric version of the R8. E-tron! I said it sounded like an alien race of androids coming to take over. Well, worse, yeah. I think it sounds like the French word for turd. E-tron. And they were advised (laughs) to change it, and they went, no, no, it's fine. Which somebody told me just while I was at the Frankfurt show that they have occasionally got this problem with the UK importer and importers around the world get handed this news that there's a new car coming and this is going to be the name. And the last one they had in the UK was when the Up came out, those special editions, the White Up and the Black Up. And the UK arm went, uh, that's not going to really work for us. And the Germans went, no, we we don't understand what on earth you're on about. And they had to send them some like YouTube clips or whatever, the Black and White Minstrel Show and go, right, this is why this is what people will think of and they got the sinking feeling that perhaps the management in Germany just gone oh yeah this is very amusing anyway well, sorry, what is your problem And then <laughs> we have decided so, to call it the love thy neighbour kind of no <laughs> you can't call it that either Alf Garnet special edition <laughs> so yeah sometimes it gets lost in translation hence e-tron and the French importer probably going oh no I don't I don't like this and that's a lump it e-tron has lived on in the race cars for a few years the Le Mans Audis have all been e-trons in the last Perhaps three years, I'd say. But it looks like we're going to be able to buy an e-tron Audi for the road. And the first one is... You can, because the A3 e-tron, which is the electric hybrid... Is already on. It's a plug-in sort of range extender type It's already on sale? Yep. Oh, excuse me, I didn't realise that. Sorry, Audi. um, Yeah, it's all right. But the QE Uh, is is coming soon. Q6 e-tron is on sale. Yeah, I think that's the thing. The A3 e-tron is a range extender. I always get these mixed up. But it's a hybrid, basically. It's a, yeah. it's a parallel hybrid. No, it's a series hybrid. The engine acts as a generator, yeah. but then can also power the car directly, yeah. unlike in... Dual mode, Ampera. like yeah. the Ampera does that. But then it? you yeah. plug it into the mains and you can trundle around town all the time on electric power, and it's all right. So we now have evidence that Tesla have been doing everything right because everyone's trying to go for what Tesla are trying to do now, aren't they? We're seeing the Germans clubbing together to take on the mighty Tesla. That's a good term, isn't it? The mighty Tesla. <laughs> sure, well, Elon Musk can be delighted with that. It is interesting that you talk about it in those terms because you know, Tesla has got itself to a position where big manufacturers are perceived as coming up with concepts that are taking on Tesla. That's, mm. A, mm. that's a testament to how good a job Tesla has done. I walked past the Tesla, the Tesla stand, while I was at the Frankfurt Show. I was cutting across it. Shocked? And uh, yes, it was, the atmosphere was electric. Oh, I was uh, I'd forgotten something about that Model S that I think is rather good. Is they'd got on the stand and the bonnet was up, and there's a boot under there. 
there's, yeah, another, there's another, another luggage compartment because yeah. hmm. there's no need for a big old noisy messy engine under there so yeah and I just thought oh yeah see this is the thing a bespoke electric car platform you can do these things but then which leads us on to the Porsche great Mission name e. Mission, Mission e. e the Porsche Mission E which when I first saw it you know occasionally you see a car and you can see its influences or you can see something else of the universe which evokes the same sort of feeling have you seen the movie Wally? Yes. You know Ava or Eva? Yes, yes. That Mission E just looks like the living uh, embodiment yes. of very, Eva. Sort of very smooth, white mm. exterior, yeah. yeah. Alabaster. Do you know what? Yeah. In real life, it is a very nice-looking car, and there's some bits of it you think, well, that'll have to change for production, but there's an awful lot of it you think that won't, because it is, to all intents and purposes, a car. You could sort of imagine it on the street. The front, funnily enough... With that, you identified the white, sort of sheeny, smooth whiteness. Actually, oddly enough, from sort of head-on of front three-quarter, the front is so sort of smooth and white, it looks like it's just an enormous piece of fibreglass. Uh-huh. And that makes it look a little bit like a kit car. Uh-huh. But yeah. from every other angle, it's really, really nice. And some of the detailing is really good. And I was looking at it, there was a Merc concept. I don't know if you saw this. The, the, got the, oh, the, the aerodynamic with the, yes, thing. Yes, and yeah, the, the, the aero thing and the extending tail. Now, I, was, yeah. I, I had a good poke so. around that because I was at the press conference when they announced it. And then you could go up on stage and have a little look. And it's a great sort of folly of concept cars. There were things on that they would never be able to do in production. Not yeah. least just, if you imagine the front wing swept directly into the A-pillar with no seam at all. And it carried on right over the car and down there were no seams whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It was just a seamless, it was smooth a Printed car. Yeah, and you yeah. just go, well, now that's very nice. And that looks great because it you're, happen, you, even if you don't sort of register why it looks so sleek, then you yeah. realise what it is. There's no sort of ugly, jarring junction of panels but they can't do that in production. Yeah, it would be yeah. impossible to make. It would take hours to refine away the joins. So that's just concept car folly. The Mission E, it's got it's closer really production-ready production yeah. front wing just butts up against the A-pillar in, in a really sort of normal way, mm. like on a 911. One of the things I particularly liked about it was that, although it's a similar size to the Panamera, really, it's a, mm. it's a bigger vehicle, they did a much, much better job with styling it, and it does look, from the pictures, haven't seen it in the flesh, but it does look gorgeous. Mm, that's nice. Um, it's really nice. But also, I was going to say, which just reminded me why we got onto this, because it is supposedly a bespoke platform under there. Mm-hmm. And they're not mucking around here. They're explicitly going around well, going, we're going to make something like this. Yeah, obviously, it would have put smart mind in them coming up with an all-electric vehicle at some point. But the interesting thing about it, I think, is that it's a four-seater Tesla S-type car, not a little sports car. Mm. And that's intriguing. How much of that is because there's a marketing angle behind it and how much there's engineering thinking behind it, I don't know. But it does strike me that if you're going for the Tesla S kind of sector, that means you can carry on with your petrol engine 911 for longer mm. and then another generation down the road you go electric with your sports car so with porsche bringing out an electric car do you think therefore we're seeing the beginning of the end of the internal combustion engine well absolutely it's been a process that we've been seeing for a while it's just becoming clearer and you know there are just more and more things that make it apparent that it is happening around us so if porsche were the first traditional manufacturer of ic engines to completely forego burning fuels on board to make your car go forward, would you be regretful or be proud, Zog, as a Porsche file and an electric car fan? As a fan of the brand, as an aficionado of the brand, yeah, I'm delighted that they are 
being very forward in what they're doing and that they're embracing the possibilities of the electric powertrain. But, you know, it's worth remembering that the first vehicle that had a Porsche name on it was an electric vehicle back in 1906. You know, it's, uh, hoping you'd say that. One of their electric cars slowly orbiting the Earth, isn't it, as well? Uh, yes. Still, yeah. <laughs> still left it behind. Yeah, I think they should have gone a bit more heritage heavy, though, on this one. Yes, they have the heritage of electric cars, but really, electric 911, all the batteries right at the back to make it incredibly tricky on the leather yeah. would have been much more more true to what they do and what they did I suppose yeah let's make anyway. it no, in real life it, no, it, the thing is it was a great looking car they're making no bones about it they're going to make something I think very very similar this is just a little taster it looked pretty feasible barring a few details and I think it's all going to happen and I wonder whether that bespoke platform can then be jacked up to make some kind of crossover or SUV because then if you've got electric power there's all sorts of tunes you can play on that even without mm. hub motors just to make it a bit more able over rough ground and all kinds of dynamic things you can do with cars and off well and, and i guess while we're still on the engineering side when we're still in these earlier days of 21st century electric vehicle design when battery packs haven't got as light and efficient as we will get them it's a bit easier to maybe do it with a bigger heavier vehicle yeah, yeah. than a lighter weight vehicle Okay, let's move it away from Porsche. We've got one minute left of the show. I want to ask your reaction in one sentence to the following cars at Frankfurt. The Nissan, what was it called? Grips? Yeah. The Z? Oh. Yeah. Not Hor- for you. Horrible. No, ghastly. Richard? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with Zog. <laughs> Just, I don't, I don't care. I love the grill. I think they do great work. That, that well, bold reinterpretation of the grill. You found the, one, you found the one bit of it that doesn't look ridiculous. F-Pace, Zog. Jaguar F-Pace. Volvo. That was the first thing that I thought when I saw it. Oh, really? Actually, yeah, really. I just... I think that's a really good bit of styling because, first of all, it resists that temptation to put slashes and creases everywhere, which almost everyone else is doing. And it was sort of quite a clean bit of design. And also because it sort of looks like the rest of the Jag family, and yet it's a very different shape and the proportions are different. So I think it's a clever bit of styling. And actually, do you know, I was looking at it, I was going, well, something, since I've had a kid, I look at cars and motor shows in a whole different way. I just sit behind the wheel and imagine what it would be like on the limit and check how the gear change felt and stuff like that. Now I'm there with the boot open going, well, I could probably get the push chair in there and then checking <laughs> the back seat space. And the F-Pace came up tops on both of those. And I started thinking... Okay. Could I see myself in one of these? Maybe I could, I don't know. Oh. Um, but the other car, which I thought was a very clever bit of styling, is the Bentley Bentagegadega. Bent Tiger. That's it. It's a Bent Tiger. I mean, no, don't get me wrong, it's horrid. Mm-hmm. And somebody on the Bentley stand went, what do you think? I was trying to be polite. I had to go, it's not for me, is it, though? I mean, it doesn't matter what I think, <laughs> even though I am from Cheshire, and I should like. Both the cars on the stand were gold, but different colours of gold. You could just tell. I mean, it, they know what yeah, they're doing yeah. and who they're aiming it at. And though apparently they've had loads of orders from the UK as well as from around the world, and they've sold out the first year's production. So they're clearly doing something right. But actually, I will give them credit for the fact that if you look at it, every bit of it on the exterior, you go, oh, that's kind of like a Conti GT, and that's like a Conti mm-hmm. GT. Oh, yeah, they've it's put all in all there. Of these design elements onto yeah. a very different shaped car. Yeah. And that's a hard a job than it looks yeah. and you can get it very wrong like they did with that EX yeah. concept they did Fa- before Falcon. Which was yeah. oh, no, I mean, okay. what was it called Falcon but don't get me wrong it's a vile vulgar yeah, tasteless car is. and they will sell a shed load of them <laughs> so fair play but in a word and then they can keep doing like GT it's Zog's word on the Bentayga Picnic Picnic. So it's a picnic? No, no, no. In the back, you know, it's got the wonderful... Oh, oh the event seat. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I will, again, I will the give them credit for that. The finish That's on all that was absolutely lovely. And the quilting on the leather... That's what I want the Bentayga when I'm off for a picnic. That's beautifully done. Two words on those two cars and then we're going to call it. Right, first of all, the Bentayga. 
I thought they'd improved on that EXP concept, whatever it was called. They haven't really improved. They've done a bit, but not enough. Go back and look at that one. I think you might be forgetting how absolutely awful it was. <laughs> it was the wheels of the worst thing about it. And my final word, which is on the F base, I didn't get to say what I thought about mm. it, which is, yeah, lovely, great. But wouldn't it be lovely if it was a three-door shooting break? But I would say that, wouldn't I? Say goodbye, Zog. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Richard. Goodbye. <laughs> and I was Gareth. See you. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. I've never mentioned I quite like a shooting book. I've never said that. You may, may have mentioned Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>